You know, they say there are five stages of grief. The first being denial. How on earth could they have lost that game? How does St. Mary's lose to Weber State? Then there's anger. How in the hell did they lose that game? It just didn't make sense. How on earth? Like, I was trying to take it out on the basketball court best I could. Then there was bargaining. Well, this was the Big Sky champion. Dylan Jones is a beast. This guy is really, really good. Then the depression starts to set in that this was a team. This was a preseason top 25 team. And it will have lasted all of a week because we know what the voters are going to do. It won't last long for St. Mary's to be in the top 25. This killed all the momentum going into the Las Vegas tournament with San Diego State and others. But the last being acceptance. And you know what? This is only the first week of the season. There's a lot of opportunities still to go. These five stages went real fast through me in the last uh, few hours, um, right after uh, the game recording uh, this one. Welcome to the unofficial WCC Hoops podcast. I'm Zach Farmer. Uh, maybe a little over dramatic for a first week of the season game, but this just, it was a kick to the gut with all of the expectation, all of the, not say hype, but uh, short of hype. Uh, going into the year about St. Mary's and for them to pick up a loss against Weber State the first week of the season was the shocker. Oh, by the way, if you hadn't been watching or didn't catch what happened last night, yes, St. Mary's did lose to Weber State at home 61-57. In that second half, they had a lead by as many as 16 and then went nearly seven minutes without scoring a bucket. Uh, They shot 25% in the second half, five for 27 from three. It was one of those offensive performances that we unfortunately got to see from St. Mary's quite a few times a year ago. And it was ugly. It wasn't a pretty game, but you have to give Weber State a lot of credit for making it ugly and making it that way. Uh, Dylan Jones, uh, one of the forwards for Weber State, uh, had to, a career high 29 points in this one. Uh, he was an absolute monster. Uh, any bucket that when they needed one, he was able to give it to them. Uh, I I expect him to be an NBA guy uh, next year. This is they have they have a legit dude. Um, probably their best player since Damian Lillard was um, wearing their colors. So just a unfortunate loss for St. Mary's and it was a t- and it was a bit of a rough Sunday for a few WCC teams. Uh USF lost a close one at Boise State. This was a game we talked about last week which could have been uh one that uh USF had an opportunity to get a big win. I wasn't necessarily picking USF to win that one, but late game uh situations really kind of cost them. They had 17 turnovers in the game, shot 4 of 17 from 3. Uh Jonathan Mo- uh, Mogbo uh, was limited in foul trouble. He fouled out late, and he has been a real big difference maker for USF in this first week. And we'll kind of get into that a little bit um, later on in this episode. And then 
Uh, Yale taking on a couple of WCC teams. They beat LMU on Sunday um, again, but they also were just coming off a game where they had just seen Gonzaga and did lose up in Spokane. Uh, this that's a tough, tough Yale team, and uh, anyone who watched either of those two games knows like that's a team that could probably win a game or two um, in the NCAA tournament if obviously like all the um, all the matchups and whatnot go their way. That's a dangerous team. That is a tough, tough team. Uh, to go up against uh, so they split against two WCC teams they did so picked up the loss at Gonzaga we'll talk about that one in a little bit as well and then losing a really really good game with LMU that was a really fun game to watch Dominic Harris really had kind of his coming out party in this one uh, so a lot of really nice things to see even if LMU did pick up a loss um, and so there's a lot to get into this week about what we see moving forward. Uh, for the rest of this coming week with the WCC. So I'll get into a, I'll start the trend of doing a team of the week and a player of the week um, throughout the course of the season. And we'll get to a preview, some of the highlighted games uh, that I have marked down for this week. But I'm going to start off with some of the things I liked and some of the things I didn't like uh, from what we saw early on. And I'm going to start with the things, the, the first thing that caught my eye in this, this week was Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Mogbo. Uh, this was a guy that there was a lot of high expectations as he was coming in to the WCC uh, from Missouri State, was highlighted as being this defensive specialist and being that guy who could really give uh, the Dons another wrinkle to what they were going to be able to do. and. He has been that and more, I think, in this first week of uh, of the non-conference play. USF has played three games. They are 2-1, and one, but in those games, he's been averaging 14 points a game, seven, almost 7.5 seven rebounds, over a steal, over a block. He is in every passing lane. He is altering almost every shot. He, If he is near the ball, he gets his hands on it. Um, I, I've been really impressed with uh, what he's been able to bring in this first week of, of play. Uh, he also uh, has been as efficient as you possibly can be. He was 21 for 23 in those three games, 91% from the field. So you're not going to get much better than what he's been able to do this first week of conference play. Second thing that really popped out to me was the youth of Gonzaga and maybe more specifically Braden Huff. Um, and this is, uh, this there was some question about the depth, and I talked a little bit about Braden Huff after the exhibition um, last week, and we saw it all over again in this one, where we got where we got to see him have nineteen and nine off the bench. Uh, Graham Ek was a little bit of foul trouble, and Huff came in and gave, and he did not he didn't allow Gonzaga to miss a beat. Uh, he was able to stretch the floor. He was able to stretch that defense, hit a couple threes. He, his inside game is really, really good already. Uh, this is this is a guy who's going to make an impact uh, for this Gonzaga team immediately, as we're already starting to see. So have we, have we talked about the depth, and I've talked about the Gonzaga depth and how unproven it was. But very quickly, Braden Huff is proving that there is something on this on this bench to be concerned about and 
probably like depending on how this goes, like I, it's I think it's going to be harder and harder to keep him out the starting lineup. But we will see as we as the season goes along. But really, really nice stuff from Braden Huff uh, to this point in the one game Gonzaga has played. Next, next thing that I'm going to point out is. A couple of a couple of newcomers to the league, and and both really have been kind of. This has got actually kind of like the all newcomers. Uh, Mogbo being a newcomer, Huff being really this is like his first full year of being a factor on that roster. Uh, I'm going to bring up uh, Pepperdine's Michael Ajayi. Uh, he ha- he has been great. He had a great game on on Sunday, which helped Pepperdine pick up um, a win. He had. He's been averaging through the first three games, 17.7, 10.7 rebounds. He has been really everything that they've needed him to be, especially with this being a team without Javon Porter right now, who who has been out with an injury. So there, this is a really exciting thing to see. And we know Pepperdine always is able to find talent. They always are able to do that. But this is just another guy that is, it's going to have to be someone you – you mark down, you put on the scouting report. Michael Ajayi has been really impressive through week one. And then the other one is Portland's Tyler Harris. Uh, Tyler Harris, the, the freshman forward, has been an abs- has been everything Portland probably could have hoped for. He's averaging almost 20 points per game, 19.7 through the first three. He's averaging 11 rebounds a game, which is, again, something that Portland has been desperately missing is someone who can crash the glass, get on the boards, and really give them that wrinkle that they have not had consistently for a long, long time. So, like, there's a lot of things that um, were fun to watch and really nice to see um, in this first week. And a few things of concern, and it's not a huge concern, nothing's a huge concern yet, but they are definitely things to monitor as of right now. So as I kind of mentioned a little bit that Javon Porter has not played yet, and this is a little bit of a concern because this speaks to Gonzaga, sorry, to Pepperdine's depth. This speaks to where, what their ceiling possibly could be. They're two and one early. The one loss was a one that really got away from them. They had a 19 point lead at Davis and let it slip away. Uh, But this without a guy who, I mean, everyone arguably, this is the, he has the highest ceiling for a potential NBA player in the WCC is Javon Porter. And he's not there. And the longer he's not there though, I think the harder it's going to be to not necessarily the harder it's going to be to reintegrate him into maybe something they've really got going and really pick up some steam. Again, talk about uh, Ajayi in that. If like when Ajayi and Porter are going to be in there together, how is that going to work out? Um, both of them are going to probably be occupying similar spaces. So uh, figuring that out sooner rather than later is going to be a good thing uh, for Pepperdine. And another thing of concern is is Gonzaga's depth long-term. And as I just, again, kind of like mentioned it with Braden Huff, and maybe that this is going to solve some of those issues. But we also got news mid last week that Steel Venters is going to miss the rest of the season with a knee injury. And with that, that does mean that Gonzaga is going to have to have other guys step up and be that stretch three that they have need that, that he was going to provide. 
that was one of the advantages of having Venters is that he was going to be able to stretch out the floor and be able to make defenses commit to the perimeter and not be able to collapse upon Watson and EK down low. Could that be Dusty Stromer? It did look like that was going to be the case in game one, and he had a really nice first game as well. Who else is going to be able to kind of step into that? Are we going to see maybe a few more three guard sets? Uh, there's a few. There's a few other pieces that maybe fill into that, or maybe you see Gonzaga go big. Uh, Huff has been good enough. That is there a possibility that you see some combination of Huff and Watson and Ek or uh, Ben Gregg, some level of combination of those of those four on the floor at the same time. Obviously, not all four at the same time, but some level of combination, maybe getting all three of them in there um, in stretches. So I think it's going to be fascinating to kind of see it. So it's light concern over the depth, but it's definitely something to monitor as we go deeper and deeper into the season. And another thing of concern was something that came out of the St. Mary's game uh, just on Sunday night. And it's, and it's these long scoring droughts. This was a problem a year ago. This was a problem against even the likes of San Diego, who was a terrible defensive team a year ago. And they went, they would go five minutes, seven minutes, 10 minutes without scoring. And this is a problem. And it clearly has not been remedied because we saw another similar stretch on near seven minute stretch uh, on Sunday night where St. Mary's did not score. And they need to find the other outlet. As teams start to collapse on Aiden Mahaney, they need to find someone else who can be that release valve, who can be that guy who gets you a bucket when you need it. And on on Sunday, St. Mary's could not find it. There were times last year they could not find it. So figuring that part out, seeing some of the other guys step up into that role is going to be critical for St. Mary's deeper and deeper into the season because when these long droughts happen, and the more these long droughts happen, the more problematic it will be and the easier it will be for defenses to, to really look at how can you replicate that sort of thing when it hasn't happened once, it's happened multiple times to this team. And then the other small concern of mine is some of the late game execution. Both LMU and USF had pretty good opportunities to win their games on Sunday against good teams, Yale and Boise State. But there, but the, the execution down the stretch wasn't the best. There was definitely some um, poor decision making uh, with with some of like the with the guards and also like we're still trying to figure out with these both of these teams who is that going to be that guy who really steps up into those roles who's going to be the guy to really like take charge in those late game situations. And so I don't want to like, like over over emphasize it too much because I think we're still way too early. We're still looking to see what, who is going to be those guys on both of these teams. Uh, A lot of these guards are still trying to figure out the systems. A lot of them are still trying to figure these teams are still trying to gel. And so the, the late game's, uh, execution is definitely something to note. It's definitely going to be obviously something these coaches are going to work on because if I'm saying it, they're probably way ahead of what I'm doing on that front. And and that will just be something to monitor as we move forward and get deeper into the season once these teams see those situations again. 
and I'd imagine they're going to see them fairly soon with some of the matchups that they have coming up. All right, so I wanted, I'm going to go into my team of the week for this first week of the season. And I had a lot going into Sunday. I had a few different notes on who that could have been. Initially, I had St. Mary's, but with the Weber State loss, it's not that. I had the note that it could have been USF if they beat Boise. Close, but not quite. Same could have been for LMU had they pulled out the game against Yale. And then I thought about Gonzaga as well, because they too got a win at Yale. They had the one game and they took care of business. But what I but the team I'm going to pick is one that was one perfect this week in multiple games and really looked like they may have started to solve their biggest issue. And I'm going with Portland this week for my first team of the week of this 23-24 season. They went 3-0. and They got a big win against Long Beach State on opening night, which is no small thing. I don't like I know Long Beach State doesn't like like big picture carry that sort of gravitas, but this is a Big West team that is projected to be toward the top of that league, potentially a potentially the league's champion. And they saw it looks like they may have solved their rebounding problem. Through three games, they are plus forty in that category. Tyler Harris, as I mentioned earlier has been averaging 11 rebounds through those first three games. They have five, four players who are averaging five or more rebounds a game early on. And this is, this is a big thing for Portland because they haven't had that. And they were getting just crushed by some of the teams in this league who do that. Well, the Gonzaga's, the St. Mary's, the USF's, the Santa Clara's, all those teams do that. Well, and LMU, I like don't want to completely dismiss LMU in that category because they're obviously in that mix as well. This, But this was something Portland didn't do well, and at least through week one, they are starting to do it well. Also, they're doing this without maybe their the two most recognizable names not playing a huge factor to this point. Tyler Robertson and Chris Austin have not been completely to form yet. Like I think they've had... Kylo Robertson has had some solid games to this point, but nothing that's like that's jumping off the page it, when you think about what he's capable of doing, what we've seen him do in the past. But what what we've seen is we've seen the, the likes of the freshman Tyler Harris step up. We've seen uh, Vukas and Masich step up. Uh, the main transfer has been averaging 15 points per game through the first three. Uh, Vasily Vucinich. Vucinich, like he has been averaging over six rebounds a game. You're you're seeing guys step up into these roles, and this is critical for Portland moving forward. And and while Portland's schedule isn't a juggernaut by any stretch, they're going to get tested, and they're going to get tested this week because they do have Nevada later on in the week, and this is a Nevada team that is always tough, is going to be in the mix in the Mountain West, and are coming off a win at Washington 
um, on Sunday. So this is a Nevada team who is confident. They're playing well. This is a Portland team also who is confident and playing well. So this is a great opportunity for the Pilots to maybe get a big win on the road. And we're also going to be able to see whether or not this, this, what Portland's been able to do in these first few games can travel. They've won these first three games all at home, and now they're going to hit the road and be able to see if they can replicate that early success elsewhere. All right. Next, I'm going to go into my player of the week. I've talked a lot about a lot of guys already to this point, and I have not mentioned who I think who I have as my player of the week yet. And there were plenty of the guys I've already mentioned who could have been that guy. It very well, I could have picked Tyler Harris. I could have very well picked Michael Ajayi. I could have picked Braden Huff. But the one I'm going with is one we only got to briefly see a year ago before he went down with injury. And my player of of this first week is Carlos Marshall Jr. This guy has been an absolute uh, revelation for Santa Clara in these first few ga- in these first couple of games. Uh, he's had 47 points in 42 minutes in the two Santa Clara wins. He's shooting 79% from the field. Uh, in these first couple games, it seems like you just blink, and within the first like five minutes of the game, he already has 10 points. He has been he has gotten out to such great starts in these first two games, uh, and at is a very, very good sign for Santa Clara as they're still rounding out what the rest of the rotation is going to be and who are going to be those other guys who step up. We've seen some good things from Adama Ball. We've seen some good things uh, from from Johnny O'Neill and some others on this team. But the constant in these first couple of games, the the guy who has been really the the spark plug, the guy who makes them go, has been Carlos Marshall and so far, so good, and that's why I'm going with Carlos Marshall as my uh, this week one player of the week. All right, so as we go into the this coming week of play, there's a lot of really fascinating games, a lot of a lot of things to really highlight, um, and. Because we have Santa Clara, who's going to be at Stanford on Tuesday. Pacific is going to be at Nevada. Port, uh, Portland's going to be at Nevada. So Nevada's going to get its uh, fill of WCC teams this week. And I think we talked about it in the preseason, in one of the preseason uh, lineups. And Nevada has like four or five WCC teams on the schedule. They're going to be playing like a half WCC slate in the non-conference. Uh, but Pacific and Portland are their two opponents this week. We have UNLV at Pepperdine. That's going to be another really fascinating game. UNLV did pick up a not-so-good loss <laughs> earlier in the non-conference. Uh, but, the one, but the three I want to talk about are the tournaments that are start all starting up this week, or the multi-team events that start up this week. And we have one with USF heading down to Arizona for the Arizona tip-off. They'll be starting off with uh, Grand Canyon. Then the then LMU also starts their their tournament. They'll be at the Cayman Islands Classic uh, starting next Sunday, 
and they'll open with Stephen F. Austin for that one. And I'll get into all of those games and all those matchups in a little bit. But I want to start with what I think is the game of the week, and that's St. Mary's against San Diego State. And this is the this is going to be on opening night of the Continental Tires Classic at T-Mobile Arena in Vegas. Uh, I will be making that trip down for that one, so it'll be really fun to see that matchup uh, because this is two teams who have already picked up a loss uh, in this young season. St. Mary's losing on Sunday to uh, Weber and San Diego State losing on the road at BYU. Uh, BYU doing the WCC no favors. Uh, by beating San Diego State. Obviously, San Diego State will also play Gonzaga later on in the non-conference. But for St. Mary's and San Diego State, these are two teams that are very familiar with each other. They've played each other each of the last four seasons. St. Mary's won the matchup a year ago, 68-61. Aiden Mahaney had 20 in that one. Alex Dukas had 17. They shot 49% from the field. Um, and this was the St. Mary's defense has still played really well. Like this is still a team that, that played extremely well in these first few games, even with the loss to Weber state, the defense really wasn't the issue. It was the offense and the St. Mary's defense got a win against New Mexico this past week. I'm not going to completely ignore that. They beat a good team this past week. It's just being marred by the Weber State loss. They held New Mexico to 35% from the field just last week. Jamal Mashburn Jr., one of the better scorers in the Mountain West, was held to seven. And while it was a more collaborative effort without Logan Johnson and Kyle Bowen, this this is a team that still can play very good defense. Um, And the center combo, Saxon and... Mitchell Saxon, Harry Wessels have taken that defense to another level in these first weeks. I don't know if you got to see any of those games, but uh, both of them have been have been monsters on the glass and protecting protecting the paint uh, in the in that first week. It's been really impressive to watch uh, those two work. And Harry Wessels from a year ago, the progression he has made is amazing. Uh, so I, if you can, I encourage you to go back and watch because the offensive game is more polished, not completely there, but it's better. He runs the floor better. He understands the game better than he did a year ago. It's his, he is growing so fast. It's going to, he's going to be a terror for everybody in the WCC for the next few years. Chris Howell off the bench has been actually a really nice piece defensively uh, for St. Mary's early on. Uh, this another guy who's can be just almost like a lockdown defender as when called upon, um, and he has been called upon early on. So getting back to that matchup from a year ago, talked about what St. Mary's did offensively. I'm going to talk about what they did defensive, what St. Mary's did against them defensively. They shot 41% in that game. They held they held Lamont Butler to 11 points, 3 for 7 shooting, so not a terrible night. Uh, he was not the focal point of the offense. That was still uh, Bradley a year ago for the San Diego State team. And the San Diego State team has a lot of the same pieces as it did during its title run 
uh, last year. But it's not quite the same team. There are subtle differences. Uh, Jaden Ladee is another one of the returners. Um, I, I highlighted him as definitely a key point uh, to watch uh, in that matchup against St. Mary's a year ago. He had only had four points, but he had eight rebounds. Uh, but against BYU this past uh, Friday, he had 21 points and seven rebounds. So this is this is a team that is going to be tough. They're, this is a defensive first team, much like St. Mary's was a year ago. And I half jokingly said in the matchup last year and the matchup the year before, that's the first of 55 wins. And I'd imagine that's going to be very similar to what we see in this first one um, on Friday is the first to 55 wins this game because this is going to be low scoring. It's going to be slow paced. And this is going to be who can play the most efficiently on offense and take care of the basketball, make your free throws and shoot a decent percentage from three because that's not something that St. Mary's did just a couple days ago. It's not something that be that San Diego state did just a few days ago in Provo. San Diego State will have another game before they see St. Mary's on Friday. They'll be playing Long Beach State, who did pick up a loss to Portland just last week. Uh, but this Long Beach State team is a good team. This is going to be, again, a tough matchup. Uh, it's not going to be an easy matchup for San Diego State. San Diego State should win that game, but I don't think it's going to be an easy one for them. One of the other keys to to watch for with San Diego State talk Talked a little bit about Lamont Butler. You have to watch out for him. Jaden Ladee is going to be another key you have to watch out for. But early on, it's Reese Waters, who is one of the USC transfers who came over. Uh, he was the Pac-12 Sixth Man of the Year last season. Uh, he had 15 points at BYU on Friday. Uh, this is a guy who's going to be a key offensive weapon uh, for the San Diego State team. So he's another guy you're going to have to keep an eye on, considering size and everything else this feels like it's going to be an alex dukas or a uh, gustus marshallonis uh, call on him darian trammell also returns so that again another offensive offensive weapon that this team has uh and just someone else to watch out for so there's a ton to think about with this team a team that samaritan is very familiar with uh but to me, it feels like going into this matchup, this is more about St. Mary's doing the right things. And if they do that, they'll be just fine against San Diego State because it's what they didn't do against Weber State that cost them that game. Because every because they did everything well against New Mexico and the offense just disappeared uh, just a few nights later. <laughs> And then St. Mary's will be will then take on either Washington or Xavier. Uh, St. Mary's obviously did see Washington last year as well. This was a team that uh, that beat St. Mary's in the Wooden Legacy. Uh, that was the, that was the first of three straight losses for St. Mary's in the non-conference. Uh, but Washington's also coming off a loss of their own to Nevada, uh, a home loss to Nevada, and so this Washington team is still going to could potentially be a thorn in St. Mary's side if they see them again. But I'm sure much like the New Mexico loss, the St. Mary's team is going to remember what happened to Washington um, if they see them in round two. But I, what I am hoping for is that they see Xavier. 
And and the Xavier team, while by name and by success of even just a year ago, and that the fact that their head coach is Sean Miller, you expect some really good things out of Xavier. But this is a team that is depleted because of injuries. And they're going to be missing uh, Zach Fremantle. They're going to be missing Jerome Hunter, two, two guys who were really expected to be key offensive pieces for this team. They're going to be out. So their front court is going to look completely different from what it might have had they been healthy. Uh, Fremantle was a all big, all big East um, uh, pick a year ago. So this is, this is a beat up Xavier team. And now if they, if St. Mary's does pull this, it is still an opportunity to get that win because there, there are, their net rating is should still end up being pretty good with the slate that they're going to see in the big East. Um, if this team starts to get healthier, deeper, deeper into the season, this is it's a game that could only help St. Mary's um, if they get that one. And I have higher hopes for what the big East is than at what I, what the PAC 12 is. Um, but there also could be one of the, one of the names that St. Mary's could is familiar with uh, Abu As. Ausmain, uh, he's a transfer coming in. He's going to be one of those front court transfers uh, for Xavier to try to fill in the gaps of Hunter and Fremantle. Uh, St. Mary saw him a year ago when he was at North Texas, uh, but he had an awful, awful game um, against St. Mary's. Remember, this was this was the the North Texas game where St. Mary's held him to thirty three points in that one, which was the big shocker of the one of the early shockers of the, uh, of the non-conference. Uh, Osmain had 1.4 rebounds 0 for nine from the field. Uh, I'd, I'd imagine that he's, if St. Mary's gets matched up against with them again, he's going to have a better game than he did a year ago. And then a couple of guards, um, to watch out for if they do see Xavier, hopefully they see Xavier are the newcomers, uh, Davion McKnight, who averaged, uh, 16 and five last year. And then Quincy Olivari, 18 and seven, 5.9, uh, last season as well. So the guards will have to step up for Xavier in that one. Uh, so it's going to be key highlighted for Mahaney and for Marshallonis to be, to match up with those guys and really start to try to slow them down. All right, so I'm going to transit transition over to USF at the Arizona tip-off. And they're going to open up with Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon's 2-0 and at this point. Uh, they have wins over Southern Missouri and Northern Arizona. And it's been a couple of years since USF has seen this Grand Canyon team. They lost in their uh, two seasons ago. 48-49. I remember that when this was an ugly, ugly game, as the score would indicate. Uh, so, but but again, like this is a completely different USF team than what what they saw a couple of years ago. I think the only carryover might be uh, Josh Coonan uh, from that team. And this Grand Canyon team is predicted to win the WAC again. They face. Gonzaga in the NCAA tournament last year and gave them a hell of a run. Uh, they only trailed at the half by four. They ended up losing by 12 uh, and, a, and a lot of key pieces from that team return. Uh, 
Uh, Ray Harrison, six four guard, is back. He seventeen point eight points per game last year. Uh, four rebounds, three point six assists. He was a terror against Gonzaga a year ago. Uh, and so this is a guy you really are going to have to key in on. Uh, Gabe McLaughlin is another guy uh, you're going to have to keep an eye on. Six eight forward, twelve point eight points, seven point six rebounds. That's probably going to be uh, Mogbo's um, uh, assignment for that one. And someone that was missing from that matchup a year or the matchup with Gonzaga a year ago, and maybe one of the guys who is a key, it may be the most key that was missing was Javon Blackshear. Uh, he was last season's WAC preseason player of the year. Uh, he went down with a knee injury in January and then missed the rest of the season. S- before the injury, he was averaging about 10.7, 2.3 rebounds. Uh, but in the season before, and again, we're talking about well, like why he wasn't ranked that, because the 10.7 and the 2.3 don't jump off the page, especially when you had two months. In the year prior, he was averaging 15.8 points, shot 39% from the field from three. This is why he was that preseason player of the year just a couple seasons ago or last season. And then he then he went down with the injury and we never got to see that come to fruition. So this is a dangerous Grand Canyon team. This is a good Grand Canyon team that USF is going to see in game one of this tournament. So a lot to actually to to get into like USF is going to have a challenge here. This is not going to be an easy game by any stretch, uh, but and another great opportunity for USF to get a good win on a neutral site against a team that very well could end up in the NCAA tournament as well. And the the defense is going to have to step up, and I think the defense has been largely okay. I think they did fairly well against Boise State on Sunday. What has to happen is that they have to take care of the basketball and they have to shoot from three better. This, if there is a team that is live and die by the three, it is USF because they rely so heavily on the three point shot. They have to do it well, at least half decently. The four for 19 that they were on Sunday is not going to cut it. And that really hampered what they were able to do um, offensively because they had no choice but to then collapse into the paint and really attack the basket a bit more. And then, and then USF will, in this one, will take, take on either uh, South Carolina or DePaul in the second matchup. And DePaul has had a very, very rough early go of it. Uh, some some bad, bad losses uh, for that program. So LMU then starts its uh, preseason tournament at the Cayman Islands, Cla- the Cayman Islands Classic uh, next Sunday, and they'll be opening with Stephen F. Austin. Stephen F. Austin was picked to be second in the WAC. Uh, this is a this is going to be a solid team for for LMU. This the Stephen F. Austin team is going to brings has a lot of newcomers to it, uh, but the guy to key in on is going to be and I'm going to butcher this name and I apologize for that. Uh, it's Sade Drian Hall, six uh, five forward. He he 
last season he averaged 13 and 6. This year he's pretty much the same, 13 and 6. Uh, he was also one of the preseason uh, WAC first team members. So this is a guy that's expected to be kind of like that focal point for this squad. Uh, I do think I do expect that LMU will be able to match up well there. Uh, you because we kind of go through like just some of the guys who have been able to uh, really step up there. We know about Kelly Lao Pepe. We know about Alex Merck Veladze. Uh, but this but this team is going to have more help. I mean, we got to see a little bit of that in the game against Yale, which I think was a better indication of what we might see because we got to see some great, some great things from, from Dom Harris in that, in that matchup. Uh, he's actually been one, one of the more consistent guys on this team. He's averaging 16 and a half uh, in the first two games coming off the bench, uh, shooting 57% from the field. Uh, the Gonzaga transfer is, is starting to show, I think kind of what a many people thought he could uh, once he got to LMU and had an opportunity to play. And we're starting to see it at least early on. Uh, Lars Thyman has also been really, really efficient for this team. Uh, he's shooting uh, 81% from the field. Uh, he's shooting, uh, he's averaging 13 a game, five and a half rebounds. Uh, so there's been some really nice things uh, coming off of this team. They're also, they're spreading around a lot of the minutes right now. Uh, you have, let's see, I'm looking at it. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine guys who are averaging 12 or more minutes a game. Uh, Will Johnston, one of the transfers, he also has been really good early on. Ten and a half points, five point uh, five rebounds uh, early on. We actually haven't even seen uh, much from maybe some of the returners that we might have thought of. Um, we don't see the numbers jumping off the page for Kelly Lao Pepe, but then again, I don't. He's not the type of guy who needs it to be that way. He can be kind of one of the guys who kind of fills in uh, some of those gaps and 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 be that leader for this team. Uh, we haven't seen uh, Juice Hill really kind of get going yet. So I think there's still a lot of potential for this LMU team because we haven't really gotten to see the full rotations of what this is going to look like. Uh, so I think we are still kind of wait and see mode with that squad. And this tournament, starting with Stephen F. Austin, is going to be a great test. Um, and then later on in that tournament, we'll talk a little bit more about it in next week's episode as they go into deeper, deeper into that tournament. There's some good teams that they could potentially see on this one. Uh, they'll then play either Oakland or Drake. Uh, Drake's, Drake is a is going to be really good this season. Uh, Marshall, Utah State, FIU, and Akron all sit on the other side of the bracket. And there's some really interesting matchups that can come out of there. And again, like with with what the WCC has this week, it's actually outside of those tournaments. There's there are some there are some interesting matchups as well. But we only have one Gonzaga game, and it's the Eastern or and it's Eastern Oregon. Um, San Diego also only has one uh, Pacific. Again, I did mention like they're going to be at Nevada. That's a huge one for them. Uh, this is going to this is going to be a heavy end of the week. Uh, schedule I think for the WCC so there's going to be a lot of these matchups that are going to start out I think Thursday and then going into the weekend and that's where we're going to start to see really a lot of what we're what these teams are going to look like I think we're going to 
flush out a lot of uh, the the question marks that maybe we have about some of these teams. And then next week we step into a lot of the heavy hitter tournaments when the Maui Invitationals next week. So Gonzaga will be active in that one. We'll talk a lot about their opener against Purdue, which I'm not terribly confident about. And, and just from what some people I've talked to, there's not a whole lot of confidence about a W being picked up in that matchup, but we will get to that next week and talk more about the Maui Invitational when we get closer. All right. And that'll wrap up uh, this episode of the unofficial WCC hoops podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and just click the button there. Um, Also be sure to like the podcast on your favorite streaming service. Uh, Follow, follow me on all the uh, social medias at post by Zach. Uh, You can also also reminder. There is a, uh, podcast dedicated um, Twitter account now at unoff WCC pod. Go ahead and follow that as well. There will be s- different content on the two. I'm going to be a little bit more, um, more. I'll have more of that personal take. That one will have a little bit more of like the nuts and bolts and everything else. Uh, so again, there'll be a couple of different p- ways to kind of go about that and check it out. Um, again, do all the things, subscribe to things, all that sort of stuff. Uh, That'll do it for this week. Have a good one, everybody, and I will catch you later.